Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Big at night, 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. Christian Ocero, Nolan Brooks. So I spent the last hour talking football, but I'm getting back on it. I'm talking about this lockout. I've been, I've been like really just locked in this week on it. Too fired up. You just got to, just got to get out, man. Yeah. I talk about it. Yeah. I had to, I mean, I look. And I and I and I wasn't one of the people early in the week. It's like, oh, baseball's dead. You know, like I, I know, like Dusty was on here, and I, you know, I understand. He was uh, earlier this week. He's like, baseball's dead. Baseball's dying, and I understand that because a, that was the opinion a lot of people had about this: the games being canceled, six games being canceled, two series by baseball on Tuesday evening after. Basically non-existent negotiations that they've been doing the last two months now. And there is a lot of pessimism about when, you know, when the season is going to start. A lot of people think that it could be months before they start playing games. Not, not weeks, not days, months before games are, are starting to be played for Major League Baseball. There's a possibility that we might have a season shortened by... 40 to 60 games, 30 to 60 games, something like that. Not a point of optimism right now as far as these negotiations go. And I understand. I mean, I'm, I was very kind. I took it for granted. I was very, oh, they'll, you know, they'll patch things up. They always do. You know, usually it's not so contentious in, in baseball as, as much it is in, as it is in football and basketball where, they're arguing over revenue split and you know we've seen lockouts happen the last 12 years or so in those sports we hadn't seen one in baseball for a minute at least a, a major one and now baseball's in a situation where they've got games canceled and the owners i believe have taken the fans for granted in this they believe that if they take baseball away from you, that you're going to be pissed. You're going to be angry, and you are going to 
do whatever you can to try to get games back. And as soon as the owners bless you with baseball, you'll come back with arms wide open, ready to embrace baseball again. That's what they think you're going to do. And I don't think that that, that's what's going to happen. I believe that people are going to learn to live without baseball. Not everybody, but I think a lot of people are going to be perfectly okay not having to watch baseball for a month or two. And that's not the end game that baseball wants. Because baseball has a lot that they've got to compete with in your life. I mean, think about it here. We're in March now. We've had some pretty, pretty, really nice weather this week. It's been like 60s and 70s most of the week. Now hold off on that. It, it, it it's might snow cold on next. Monday. Yeah, it's going to snow off, on yeah. Monday. It's getting don't cold get, next don't week. Don't get too excited. <laughs> but like we're starting to get some spring-like weather. Like a week from Sunday is, is daylight savings time. It is the beginning of daylight savings time. Like we're going to start. It's going to start kind of feeling like spring again. We're going to be able to go out and do stuff. Like obviously, you know, Kansas City, you know, we're going to get some snow in March. Uh, so, you know, that's that's a, a foregone conclusion. Winter doesn't doesn't go out whimpering. It definitely tries to give you one last run at the very end. But generally, once this type of weather starts happening, people are like, okay, I don't have to sit around and watch TV anymore. I can DVR whatever, and I can go outside and enjoy it. I can tell you, like, where I'm at, people love going out for walks when when the weather's nice. You go out on a Saturday morning during the spring and summer, it's all types of people walking out there with their dogs. There's a lot of dog owners where I'm at. I mean, people love being outside where I'm at. They love going out and doing things. They're not going to be trying to sit around and be cooped up in the house. There's a lot of things you got to compete with. We're we're almost at spring break season here where people are going to be going out and traveling to – various parts of the world making terrible decisions because they're you know filled with alcohol you're going to be going and having prom here soon graduation soon i know my girlfriend's son is graduating high school here pretty soon we got a point where you know she's she's planning i'm not she's planning a graduation party here and so she's caught up with that even if there was baseball going on we're probably not gonna go to a game till like sometime in the summer because too much stuff going on there's a lot of things that baseball has to contend with. Right now, you got the scouting combine coming on, which means that the draft is coming up pretty soon. The end of April is the NFL draft. That clearly is going to overtake anything that baseball does. The USFL is going to be on television starting in April. People are going to be watching that. There's going to be a ton of interest because it's football. NBA playoffs going on. That's going to draw people's interest away from the sport. People have so many things that'll make them forget that baseball isn't being played right now. Unless there's some of the die, the most diehard of diehards out there, you're probably going to be okay with it. As a matter of fact, even some of the biggest diehard baseball fans out there are still perfectly okay with games being canceled or, or the number of games being reduced. We have listeners here who call into Vern's postgame show all the time, who are like, you know, they should probably cut like 20 games off of the season or cut like 40 games off the regular season. Let's shave it down to 120. Let's shave it down to 100. There's a lot of fans like that. And certainly there are some for like the NBA, but not nearly as much for baseball. 
There's a lot of people that are cool with the 82-game schedule that the NBA has. Nobody's doing that for college football. Nobody's saying, oh, well, I know they play like 12 games during the regular season. Let's cut that down to 10. Nobody's saying that for the NFL. Hell, I think a lot of people were excited about the one extra game that we get at the end of the year. There's a lot of excitement for that. But for baseball, yeah, we want less of that. Major League Baseball thinks that you will just come running back once they start putting on games at the ballpark. They think that you will be just fine once they start playing games again. You'll just forget about all that stuff about them arguing over money. They're taking you for granted. And I feel like most of y'all are going to look at this and be like, hey, you know, I'm actually fine without baseball. And I think the reason why is because baseball has a diehard fan problem. Certainly there are a lot of diehards still for baseball, but not nearly as much as there used to be. I can tell you this from my personal experience. I'm not a diehard baseball fan anymore. I'm a diehard Royals fan. I love the Royals. I love, like it's one of the things I love about working here is being able to produce Royals games. I've been doing it for years. I mean, I've been doing it since 2014. I've enjoyed producing games here. I produced I produced the wild card game in 2014. I produced like two of the World Series games in 2014. I produced the World Series game five against the Mets. I was here all damn night. I was tired. Oh, I, had, I skipped class the next day. Like, I was so tired. I was here for all that stuff, man. Worth it. It was worth it. I was tired, but it was worth it. Like, I was here for all that, man. I love producing these games. I love coming in on a Saturday afternoon and hearing Stu and Fizz and Denny and, you know, whoever they have. You know, sometimes it's, it's Ryan as well. And they'll be just, they'll call the games. I love just sitting here relaxing, watching the games and cutting the highlights and whatnot. I always read the Royals' top 30 prospects on MLB.com. And I follow their progress. Like, you know, you got like Royals Farm Report on Twitter and, you know, they'll tweet stuff out. Royals Review is another good one. They'll, they'll you know, do like a minor league type thing. I keep up with all that stuff during the season. But I'm not doing that for the rest of baseball. I don't care about Yankees Red Sox on Sunday night baseball. I don't care. I don't care what the Padres and Dodgers are doing. It doesn't matter to me. And I used to be the guy that was looking at articles talking about, oh, the one trade on, you know, Bleacher Report always does that. They always have those those articles, those posts where it's like one trade every Major League Baseball team needs to make. They, they I mean, they, inevitably they do it for all the sports, but, you know, they always do it for that. The predictions from all our experts. Like, I, I loved reading that stuff back in the day. I'm not reading it now. I don't have time for that. I'd much rather read stuff on the combine. Like that's like I I've gone deeper into the diehard fan base for football now. Where now I'm looking at offensive linemen and defensive linemen's arm length, and I'm looking at the you know all the forty times for the the running backs and receivers and DBs, and I'm like, okay, Traylon Burks probably watched his draft stock drop because he ran a four five last night at the combine. Instead of the four three, I think that would have vaulted him into the top ten. Like that's it's stuff like that that I'm hooked on now. 
I'm not looking around at the Pakoda prediction predictions. I mean, I look at them for like the Royals, but I don't I don't care what the Marlins Pakoda Pakoda predictions are. And it's things like that. Like there are a lot of fans like me. And I've seen it on Twitter. You know, I've seen it on other social media platforms where people like, man, like I've been following this game since I was in elementary school, playing this game since I was in elementary school, and I just don't care now. You've turned a lot of diehards into indifference. That's not good for your game. And that means that those guys and girls who are consuming your sport aren't going to be invested as much when you get back. They're going to be like, oh, well, I'll just wait till baseball comes back and maybe I'll be back. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll start watching the USFL. Maybe I'll pay attention to this other sport. Maybe I'll get into the cornhole championships on ESPN, which, uh, you know, one of our listeners thought that Nolan was an announcer for. Yeah, he said I was good enough for a game of cornhole or. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, I can't remember what he said. I can't but remember the other one. Cornhole or bag toss or something, it was, or like bowling, bowling, something yeah. like that. Bowling, yeah. He said he said cornhole and bowling sound like that. Like like I, maybe maybe you'll get into that. Like there's a lot of other things you can watch. You know, I I, I started watching this show on HBO Max called Smiling Friends uh, earlier today. Pretty funny show, a little little weird, but pretty funny show. I I have a lot of streaming subscriptions. I got a plenty things I can watch. My girlfriend's been watching the Yellowstone show. On on Peacock, I don't really like it, but uh, she loves it, so she's been watching the hell out of it. We watched like the first three episodes of that new Bel Air show. I hate it, but I know a lot of people that like it. I think my girlfriend kind of likes it because she's watched three episodes of it now. Like, there's a lot of things that we can watch. I don't need to watch. Hey, I, I can't even watch baseball at home because I have YouTube TV and Bally Sports KC priced them out and I'm not paying for Bally Sports app. I'm not paying for that. They were talking about charging like 23 bucks a month. I'm not paying for that. Like I, I could just pick up shifts here and, and do more Royals games and get paid to do it and watch it on TV here. So I'm not paying for that, but there's a lot of people out there that are going to realize if they haven't already, that they don't need the game as much as baseball thinks they do. And if they Begin to see that it could very well affect baseball's bottom line years down the line. Coming up next, I tell you why teams like the Royals are hurt the most by this lockout. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can and overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back in here on Bink at Night, 6 Sports Radio, 6 Sports.com, Chris Nocero. Nolan Brooks, Jay Southland Toe Service, text line 913-576-7610. Dan and KCK trying to get on my good side here, tweeting, uh, sending in a text about my uh, Phoenix Suns on pace for, uh, was it 64 wins, I think he said? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm telling y'all. Hey, if you, if you are, uh, if you are wanting to get into another sport and you're, you know, you haven't gotten to the NBA yet. You should do that now. And you should root for my Phoenix Suns. There's plenty of room on the bandwagon. I'd appreciate that. You could like, we, I feel like we're going to get our first title in team history this year. I feel like this is CP 3s time to get his, his, his ring before he retires. And uh, yeah, you could feel like a winner. Uh, just for that that one year in the off season, because uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if it's gonna happen in uh, in baseball this year for us. I don't even know if we're gonna get uh, much of a baseball season this year. So get on that Suns bandwagon. He also said Lakers are done. Uh, they are done. I, I I very much appreciate you texting in, Dan KCK. I I, I want to talk about more about this lockout, but from a different perspective, because. Last segment, I, I, I talked about like more of a macro sense about how baseball doesn't benefit from the lockout because it teaches us, the fans, what we probably thought but weren't 100% sure of, which is that, you know, we don't need baseball. I mean, certainly some of us do. There are some people who are listening right now who regularly listen to this station that need baseball. You're big, big fan of baseball. It's your favorite sport. You've been watching it for decades You've been, you know, you played it when you were a kid. Like, this has been your game. And it probably hurts you bad to see it in the state that it's in. And I understand that. But I believe that the decline is only going to get worse now because now there's a lot of people in my generation that are learning that, yeah, we don't really need it. It's cool if we get it. We don't need it. So I think what... I, where I want to take this is with the Kansas City Royals. I am a diehard Royals fan. I, I love this team. Love producing games. Love watching games. And to me, it hurts me to see the Royals be in the position that they're in. Because they don't benefit from this lockout. 
like whenever there's a lockout for the NBA and and for the NFL, there's something that each side's fighting for that like it's a good point. And certainly there are some good points here as far as baseball goes. But the solutions are terrible. And because the solutions are terrible, it's like why are you even fighting over over this issue? And the big big issue they're fighting over is the luxury tax or CBT, competitive balance tax as they call it. And the main contention is that the players want to raise the luxury tax to somewhere about 240 and for it to raise pretty significantly over the the years after that up to like 270 like 5 years from now. And the owners would like to keep it stagnant, if not reduce it, but they you know, they know that's not really a not really going to happen, so let's keep it stagnant. They would like for it to be somewhere between 220 and 230 over the next 4 or 5 years. And the owners are like, "Hey, we don't want to like overspend because it's going to hurt small market teams and the players are like well but you know that just means that you're trying to keep our salaries down and collect more money from profits from the game and I understand both sides of it I understand that the players want to get their money they've seen a reduction in salary over time Um, the average salary for major, major league baseball players has dropped over the years just slightly but dropped meanwhile for the owners the owners are like, yeah, for, I mean, for most of us, it doesn't, it doesn't pay to win. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't benefit us from a business standpoint to try to pay to win. It used to be that, you know, like the Yankees, you know, 20 years ago, oh, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll pay luxury tax. We'll go over the luxury tax threshold because we'll, we'll benefit from that in marketing and merch sales and fandom and whatnot. It's cool. We're investing in the future, and it worked for them. They're one of the most valuable franchises in the world, in sports, in all of sports. But the problem is that this lockout hurts teams like the Royals. The Royals don't benefit from a luxury tax increase whatsoever. They don't. And the reason why is because they're never going to spend the kind of money that you it would take to get even anywhere near that. Right now, their luck, their their payroll number is like seventy-seven million. That's it. Their payroll last year was under a hundred million. They were like a hundred eleven million dollars under the luxury tax number last year. They don't care what that number is. So you're not benefiting anybody by fighting over that number as it pertains to the Royals. So now the Royals are in a position where they're not getting, you know, they're at risk of not getting revenue from television because Ken Rosenthal was reading, I was reading this earlier in The Athletic yesterday, and he reported that there are most teams in Major League Baseball have a provision in their television contracts that allows for them to not have to pay back any rights fees for games missed on television provided that it doesn't exceed 25 games, which means that right now the owners basically don't have any need to force games to be played, to push for a resolution. The owners right now basically can try to bleed the players dry. 
force them to come to the negotiating table at their terms. And if you look at how the owners have been uh, leading up to this situation where games were canceled, and since they canceled games, they don't really appear to be negotiating in good faith. And that means that teams like the Royals are punished for it. Here is Whit Merrifield, the Royals representative for the Players Association, talking about John Sherman, the uh, the you know, acting owner of the Royals from the uh, ownership group, talking about his perspective on Sherman's part in all of this. A lot of people ask me when I when we talk about all of this about uh, Mr. Sherman and how I feel our organization is representing all this. And uh, while we don't, we're not in that room, and so I, we don't get to see how different owners react differently. But I don't. I, I've I've been around Mr. Sherman a handful of times. We've never talked business, uh, but I do. I have talked with Dayton, and Dayton is someone I trust wholeheartedly. And Dayton has reiterated to me time and time again that Mr. Sherman is in this business for the right reason. He's in it um, because, one, he's been a very successful businessman and it has the ability uh, to be in the position he's in. But he loves the game, he loves baseball, and he wants to win. And he might not agree with a lot of stuff you know, that's going on as far as stuff that we're proposing, and, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I guarantee you, if we had... 29 other owners like John Sherman and like the ownership group that we have, at least from what I've heard from Dayton, we wouldn't be in this position anyway. This, 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 we would never would have gotten to this position where we needed a lockout. So, um, it, it's, I, I hate it for our fans. I hate it for our city. Um, I hate it for Mr. Sherman and, and the ownership group. But, uh, like I said before, this is something that we feel re- very strongly as players is important for our game, important for us moving forward uh, to better the game and to, and to look out for, for our brothers that are playing this game. So um, I just wanted to make sure that was, that was said. And I, I very much believe what Witt's saying here. I very much believe that a guy like Sherman, if they had the perspective of Sherman, they would get this through because Sherman's basically made every move possible to send a message that he's trying to build a competitive team. It's not for him about simply just making money. There are numerous teams in bigger markets than Kansas City that have smaller payrolls than the Royals have had the last couple years. Like the Royals, you'd think that they'd be one of like the bottom like three or four as far as spenders, but there's actually like six or seven clubs that are below the Royals right now in terms of payroll. You know, like the Cleveland Guardians have less than $30 million on their payroll right now. Maybe that changes when they, you know, if they sign some free agents or whatnot, but they're certainly not going to sign a whole hell of a lot more guys. And so you, I, I very much feel for an organization like the Royals because those guys want to play. They want their young guys out there getting time on the field, and it doesn't benefit them to have guys miss games because you're fighting over money that doesn't even that doesn't even you're fighting over issues that don't affect your team. So I, I very much believe Wit when he says what he says about Sherman, and it, it's the reason why I want this stuff to get resolved. Like I, I want to be able to watch the Royals play, and I want this organization to be able to to get better and get opportunities to do so, because that's they've got a lot of youth in that organization, and 
a lot of those players haven't had a ton of opportunity to play games the last couple of years because of the pandemic. So it'd be really nice if we can get this stuff figured out so that we can finally get back to seeing Royals baseball on television and certainly here on 610 Sports Radio. Coming up next, I tell you why it doesn't matter who the Chiefs offensive coordinator is. Twenty minutes or so of the show here. Big good night. Six Ten Sports Radio, the Odyssey app. Kristen Ocero, Nolan Brooks. So I want to I want to get into the offensive coordinator talk that we've been having really for the last month since the the Chiefs lost to the uh, Bengals in the AFC Championship game, and. A lot of people have been talking about since since that loss. Oh, the Chiefs should make a change. They should bring in someone new, bring in fresh ideas. You know, see if they can get someone to kind of change Andy's perspective on on how to run the offense. And I understand that because generally, the idea is that the offensive coordinator is the one that calls the plays, that runs the offense. They're the ones that that make everything tick on that side of the ball. And so it's understandable why you would want to have someone that has some different ideas. You know, sometimes things get stale. That was the thing you heard all the last month. Oh, you know, maybe it's just stale and you need something fresh. The problem is the only way you're going to get anything fresh on that offense is if Andy Reid is no longer the one calling plays. It doesn't matter who's the offensive coordinator. Andy's the one that runs that offense. Andy's the one that's the decision maker. He decides the personnel. He decides the game plan. He decides the the script, the play calling sequence. He decides all of that. And in, I don't really care what blog post you read or whatever. Anybody with any know of what happens in an organization knows that Andy Reid is only number two to Clark Hunt. Nobody else he answers to. He answers to nobody else but Clark. That's it. He runs everything. He's the one that has the control over that organization. So Andy's going to be the guy that everything goes through. If Eric Bieniemy wants to call a certain play, if Patrick Mahomes wants to consult Eric Bieniemy on a play, Andy's got to be like, okay, yeah, yeah, I agree. That's a good call. He has his way of doing things. And if you look at his career, the problems that persisted when he was in Philly, they followed him to Kansas City. I mean, one of the biggest things that we heard about him, clock management. And what happened when he came to Kansas City? Clock management was an issue. It was an issue really until Patrick Mahomes came, became the starter for the Chiefs, and his football IQ uh, allowed him to be able to take control in those situations and know exactly when he needs to call timeouts, when he needs to push everyone up there and, and get things going. And it also helps when your quarterback can get you in, in field goal range in 10 seconds. It, it's things like that that make things easier. 
But if the Chiefs didn't have a Patrick Mahomes as their starting quarterback, time management, clock management would still be an issue at the end of halves and at the end of games. It's just made easier because you got a quarterback that's great at that. Then you also have the main criticism that people have had for Andy Reid since his early Philly days, which is that he does not run the football enough. I'm going to tell you this today. It doesn't matter who is his offensive coordinator. They're never going to get Andy Reid to run the football enough. I mean, think about it. Eric Bieniemy is a former NFL running back. If there's anybody that you think could help change Andy's mind on running the football, it'd be Eric Bieniemy. This is a guy who played for the Chargers as a running back. He was one of their running backs in the only Super Bowl that the Chargers have played in. He played for Andy Reid as a running back in Philly. And he couldn't get Andy Reid to run the football more. Do you think there's a person on this planet that could get him to do it besides himself? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Andy is not one of those guys that just is, he has a suggestion box on his desk and is willing to take any submissions from anybody else. He's one of those guys, and I know because I'm the same way too. And ask my girlfriend about this. You can suggest something to me, but I got to have that light bulb moment myself in order for me to finally get it. I got to have the epiphany myself. I don't know why it's that way. Maybe it's because I'm stubborn and whatnot, but I got to have that moment myself where I realize, oh, that's good advice. And I think that's what it is with Andy. Andy's got to realize it himself. And hopefully at some point he does realize that, okay, there's some times where it's okay to just run the football. Okay, it's good sometimes for us to just throw it to the running back, you know, do some wide receiver screens like he used to do all the time with Alex Smith back in 2013, 14, 15, et cetera. Maybe it's good to shorten the offense up and force teams to play us up close. Stop being able to just drop eight and have one of them as a spy and everybody just keep everything in front of them. Sometimes it's good for us to force them to have to be more aggressive. Andy Reid's gotten comfortable throwing the intermediate passes. You know, having guys go 10 yards stop and Patrick Mahomes just hits them right there in between the zones and they just go. But teams have kind of figured that out. And hopefully Andy's taking time during this offseason to come to that epiphany. But there's not a single person in that organization. Matt Nagy can't do it. Eric Bieniemy can't do it. Nobody can, except for Andy. People are like, oh, well, well, Matt Nagy could provide him a new perspective. Matt Nagy was the play caller when the Chiefs had an 18-point lead against the Titans and allowed them to score 19 unanswered points and beat them at Arrowhead. In Alex Smith's final game as a Chief, you think Matt Nagy's changing his perspective? Do you think Matt Nagy's going to get him to run the football more? Hell no. He didn't run the football enough when he was in Chicago. He had all their running backs over up there in, in Chi-Town, and they didn't run the football enough. He was trying to throw the football all the time. I understand that we've convinced ourselves that other people have power there at Arrowhead, but it all starts and ends with Andy Reid. And if he doesn't have that light bulb moment, then frankly, it doesn't matter who's calling the plays there because it's always going to be the same result. Coming up next, I tell you the fixes that I would have 
to end this lockout and make baseball the kind of game that the owners and players want it to be. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Minutes here on Big at Night, 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. Chris Unocero, Nolan Brooks. Man, I, I really have been digging in on this. Uh, this is the most baseball I've talked in the show probably since, God, it's probably like the 2016 season. Usually, I mean, since the the... Since Patrick Mahomes has come here, I don't think I've talked this much baseball in a single show. <laughs> Seriously, it's a lot of I've and I like I said I've done a, a real big deep dive into all of this. It's actually really interesting. Like baseball's kind of archaic as far as its whole system goes, where you have like payrolls instead of like a salary cap. It's weird. <laughs> baseball is is actually. And it's funny because, like, if they would have were to have a system like you see in uh, in the NFL or the NBA, they probably wouldn't be fighting as much as they do over money. But uh, you know, nevertheless, I come up with a, a list of solutions for how baseball can like fix this problem and get the players on the side of the owners to a certain extent. And I I think first off, they need like a real salary cap. Now, the luxury tax is like a pseudo salary cap. It's like, oh, well, you know, as long as you don't exceed this number, you're good. You don't have to pay extra. But the problem is that you don't really actually see, like if a team really wants to spend over that number, they can. Like the Dodgers did last year. The Dodgers were $56 million over the luxury tax threshold, and they paid a $17 million tax. They don't care. They got they got stupid money like that. And if there's a team out there that's cool with buying championships, then they'll do that. I think you need a real hard salary cap there. If you really get that, all of a sudden now, you're going to see teams have to be more competitive at the top end. And it can't be as high as, as, as what it is. I mean, let's be honest here. You can't have a salary cap that's as high as what it is where only a few teams can actually reach it. And you also need a salary floor. Now, 
that might be unpopular for teams like the Royals. And it would be something that the owners would be open to if they lowered the top end of the luxury tax, which is basically what they want. They wanted, like they said, hey, let's make the luxury tax $180 million and a salary floor at $100 million. And the players didn't like that because that was $30 million less than what the luxury tax was last year. But it would guarantee that every team is spending at least $100 million on their payrolls. And there were tons of teams that were like, there were a few teams that were below $50 million on their payrolls. I think that if you were to institute a salary floor and you could lo- you could lower the salary cap and the average player makes more money, the top-end players don't get as much. But you create more parity and you create more strategy. It's the thing. It's one of the reasons why the NFL is so great. And basically, I'm saying that Major League Baseball has to go be like the NFL. Because, like, one of the reasons why we love the NFL is because we know that they can't keep all their stars. You can't keep all your stars on your teams. Like, what the Chiefs have done the last four years has been incredibly improbable because you just can't count on being able to do that all the time. You can't count on being able to keep all your stars. The Chiefs probably going to lose Tyron Matthew this offseason because they can't pay everybody, you know. They they're they might lose Charvarius Ward cuz they can't pay everybody. And it it puts them in a situation where you got to make some tough decisions. And you might see one of your star players go walk and play for a different franchise next year. And you got to be okay with that. You got to be okay with cutting some guys who are making a little bit too much money because you got to make sure you're under the cap and you're able to pay other players on your team. So if you institute a salary floor and you lower that salary cap, A, you got more teams that could spend more, but you're forcing teams to make sure that they, they aren't actively tanking and not paying their players, which to me is worse. It's more, to me, it's worse when you've got players who are on bad teams and not making money versus like in the NFL where teams have to have to spend up to 90% of what the salary cap is. So players are still making money, even though the team's not good. It's good when everyone's making money, even if you're not having the, the quality that you'd like. Also let small market teams keep more revenue before they do revenue sharing. So how it works is that the, each Major League Baseball team keeps 52% of its revenue. Then 48% of it is tossed into a pool and then divvied up evenly between teams. The problem is that the 52% that the New York Yankees keep versus the 52% that the Royals keep, that ain't equal. The 52% that the Yankees keep is a hell of a lot more money. Same thing with the Dodgers, same thing with the Mets. And so teams like that basically get to keep more money. And then they divvy up television revenue revenue equally and whatnot. But if all those teams in the bigger markets are able to keep such a large portion of their revenue and teams like the Royals have to pay 48% on, on their, uh, of their total revenue and then it's divvied up equally, they're actually kind of paying more. So if you let those teams keep more of their revenue – and if they're in a smaller market, they don't have to pay as much into the pool. They're able to make more money at the very end. And maybe that makes them more aggressive in free agency, makes them more aggressive in keeping their own players. Because as I talked about earlier in the show, it sucks 
being a Royals fan and knowing that a lot of the guys that are part of the winning culture that you've built years ago were going to leave. I mean, you guys remember when it was Kane and Haas and Moose and Salvi and Gordo. We were like, some of those guys are going to be playing in different uniforms in a couple years. After they won that World Series, we knew by the end of 2017 that the Royals were going to have a lot of players that were not going to be a part of that team from that World Championship team. And that was a pretty sad realization because it it's not the rule in San Fran. If San Fran needs to pay guys to stay in the town, they do it. If the Rangers need to do it, they do it. If the Blue Jays need to do it, they do it. If the Yankees, the Mets, et cetera, if they need to do it, they do it. But here in Kansas City, basically a no-go. So we're all basically assuming that at some point, Bobby Witt Jr. is going to play in a different uniform besides the Royal Blue. Baseball needs to rectify that. They need to create situations where teams like the Royals don't have to watch their star players leave, where fans don't have to assume that their star players are going to go somewhere else. I also think that what they need to do is they need to lower the amount of years that players play on uh, their original contracts. It's like a six-year contract. The first three years are uh, pre-arbitration set numbers, and then after that, three arbitration years. I think they need to lower that number to four years and then allow for a franchise tag for specific players who meet certain conditions. That way, these players can get paid more and earlier, too. Because take a guy like Whit Merrifield. Whit kind of got screwed over by this, uh, by the fact that he took so long to go play to make it to the majors and then played great. But because he was so, I think he was 27 when he made it to the majors, he's not going to be able to become a real true free agent until he's 35. So he's probably never going to get the big payday that he's earned. And that's kind of sad. So hopefully, Major League Baseball takes some of those things into account and they fix the issues with their game. Special thanks to Nolan Brooks for doing all the hard work on tonight's show. Special thanks to you, the listener, for taking time out of your Friday evening to listen to me and Nolan. I'll be back Sunday morning for Bink Sunday. And I'll be talking a lot about this NFL Combine and the draft. I'm Kristen O'Sara, and this is Bink at Night here on 610 Sports Radio and 610sports.com.